0: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look, delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Welcome to a Real Man Wood Podcast. This is Chris Liss, your host, and I'm joined by my co-host, as usual, from Yahoo Sports, Dalton Del Don. What's going on, dude? How you doing?
2: Doing all right, Liss. Um yeah i know it's kind of uh toward the finish line here i don't know with christmas overlapping the end of nfl season i'm kind of just ready for it all to be over what about yourself
1: <laughs> you're talking about your life or just this season
2: uh, well come on now let's not go too dark here but uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know i mean i'm let's jump right a couple, into it made, yeah <laughs> yeah i mean a couple you know fantasy playoffs and stuff going on still but um i don't know man it's just it's just coming to the end of the, hitting the wall here is all i'm saying i guess i don't know what about you are you are you peaking here late i take it no, I'm not peeking. Let me ask
1: you this, are we still alive in the League of Leagues? I know we made the playoffs.
2: Yeah, I know we lost that that league um, uh, in the in the round first round of the playoffs. Uh, I mean, I could a couple of different things like it was just a total disaster. I forget we had an all-star team. It's just funny the the amount of uh, injuries and and busts that we got, you know, from Gronkowski, McKinnon, uh, David Johnson um oh yeah Beckham we lost Beckham last week too right, right that was
1: bad That was bad
2: and right. and Garoppolo. okay I don't need
1: to know and the it's details just the
2: top, it's just the top of my head there but anyway it really did I did pick up Jalen Samuels to use in our um utility and I had like Godwin which I thought was a great start to replace right. uh Beckham and I thought I was doing well but I must admit that the, the reason was I picked up and started Mayfield over Matt Ryan and that was uh, the difference the the reason if I had not done that Ugh. if I had just not tinkered who, who would you have started? Easier for you to say afterward, of course, but who would you have ranked higher
1: last week? Atlanta was at Green Bay. I probably, where's Mayfield? I probably would have gone Mayfield, actually. But yeah, okay. okay. I don't, I don't rank so, the guys yeah. every week. You know, I, I know everybody does that stuff for fantasy pros. I don't know why you give away all your work to fantasy pros for free, but that's another, that's another topic. But everyone's always doing those rankings, and everyone's like asking me questions. Hey, listen, I listened to your show. You know, where, how, who do I start, this guy or this guy? Like I don't want those problems. Start sit questions. I don't want to do a start sit question. Why do I want to answer that? I'll just point to Jeff's value meter. Like think about it. Yeah. I got my own problems. I mean, you started Mayfield over Ryan. It was a mistake. I make mistakes every week. Start sit. Why do I want other people's problems? I don't want your problem, either. What you're asking is obvious. In which case, come on, man, figure it out. It's easy. Just look on any site. It'll be unanimous wherever you look. Or. It's a hard call, which is usually the case. Most people who ask questions, they've played fantasy long enough. that it's not obvious. If it's not obvious, why are you putting it on me? It's your problem. Why are you making it my problem? Now, I got to answer this, have some dilemma that I don't want in my life. I got my own problems. I got to set my own lineups. You want to you talk about which teams are developing, what players to keep an eye on, what is interesting to me in the league, systems, coaches, quarterbacks, fine.
2: Yeah, I don't delve into the comment section or anything, but I do answer start sit questions on Twitter. I guess it is not beneath me, but I do have some complaints about it. Nothing's when, beneath
1: you, though. What? That's the difference.
2: <laughs> exactly. You know, we're totally different. You're, you're, you're right on. Uh, but when I do respond and then someone comes back and, and then they say, but what about the weather or something? As if we didn't take that into consideration. Oh, well, because you said that, then I take it back. Or Andy Behrens is great when they'll ask us a clear question about to, to the same position. You know, he'll just, he'll just say, we rank them. Here they are. Here are our rankings. You know, you're comparing two positions. So it can get annoying. And, and some of the questions I actually respect, the tough ones, but I normally end up saying, you know, go with your gut here. These are these are tough. That's I mean, what I, that's, I, I do. You know, I, I mean, I hate on that. On the rare a cop, occasion.
1: The t- sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. But on the rare occasion that I do answer, I say, oh, that's a tough call. Go with your gut. Because if it's not, it's either obvious in which case, come on, man, either figure it out or look it up anywhere. RotoWire has it. Yahoo has it. We all do, you know, there's rankings on every site. Or it's a really tough call. And why are you asking me? Go with your gut. Make the decision. Live and die with your own decision. Were you trying to outsource the, you going know, to outsource the uncertainty to me? Put it on me? No, no. You own it. It's your problem. It's your team. First of all, anyone who willy-nilly answers your start-sick question, that's a really tough 50-50 question, is doing you a disservice. They're giving you a false sense of certainty and they're not, they have no skin in the game. If your team sucks and loses, it's not their problem. So don't even do it. Every time, uh, you know, on Sunday morning, I don't even do this anymore, but I used to be like, don't ask me questions. I'm asking you questions. I would ask about my dilemmas. I wouldn't do what people said. I do the opposite a lot of the time. But I just want to see what people said. And sometimes someone would say something so, that struck me as so off base that I would know to do the opposite thing. I would just try to like gauge from the responses what I really thought, just by, you know, seeing what they said, I seeing right. the feedback. but. A, don't I don't want to deal with your problem. And B, anyone who is going to deal with your problem, they're doing you a disservice. A, they're depriving you of the skin of the game risk of making your own call and suffering or profiting from it. And B, what are they really giving you? They can't give you certainty because of 50-50 call. So what they're giving you is they're giving you the removal of your doubt, the removal of that uncertain feeling of not knowing what to do, which of course is valuable to people. They don't they're uncertain. They want to get an answer. But it's no more right than their own answer. It's just gives them a sense of like, peace for the moment, and it's, no, it's not necessarily right. You're just giving them this sort of fake good. You're giving them a false sense of decision made, and don't worry about it. And that's not leading you to winning. That's just leading you to not being stressed in the very moment.
2: While I agree with that philosophy, do you not recognize that it is just part of the deal and it's, it's going to be part of the deal? I mean, do you, I, 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 I completely admire where you somehow avoid that. And even on your radio show, you, you kind of pretty much avoid it these days. So do you not avoid I, it. I mean, you see, you, yeah, I, I only go to one place in the industry, though. I mean, it's just part of the deal. I mean, it's just part of the deal. Everybody so else does get more it. Questions than others. Right. Okay. So I mean, you do understand the, the utility behind it. I mean, it, I don't it, understand the utility me, behind it. You've been it. able to avoid it. I understand
1: that there's a demand for it and that companies have risen to meet the demand and make people feel better, but they're not helping them. They're not helping them at all. In fact, they're doing the, they're harming them. They've risen to meet the demand because of course (laughs) they will, but it's like someone selling you candy when you're hungry. Yeah, you'll eat it because you're hungry and it's candy and it tastes good, but it is not giving you nutrition. It is not helping you is harming you. It's, it's actually removing nutrition. So that's the way I see it. I try to avoid it. There's only two exceptions. On this Iowa show I do every Wednesday, I will answer the start-sit quit sit questions because it's once a week for like 10, 15 minutes, and I've done that show since 2002. They were the first people foolish enough to put me on the air, so I've been loyal to them. And that's just the format, and I do it. And then occasionally I will do it uh, on the RotoWire site if somebody asks me, in like the discord room or on one of my columns, although my columns aren't about that. So usually I discourage, I, you know, tell people to use it, ask the expert or check out Jeff's uh, value, value meter rankings instead. But I rarely do it. And I do understand that it is, there's a demand for it and that the sites require the writers to do it. But I think fundamentally it's, it's, a, it's a bad product and it's, it's not the thing you really want. It's just what you think you want.
2: Well, many would agree with you that I am doing them a disservice by responding to them this year <laughs> by giving them my yes. poor advice. But actually, actually, I have doing well in the, in the aforementioned fantasy pros thing. I'm done well there, and that's that's resulted in a, in a lot of more Twitter followers and therefore more Twitter questions. I do totally right. understand what you're saying from a, from a fundamental uh, standpoint, and I probably should. That would be great though if I just don't respond to people and be like, "Hey, I'm ultimately nicer than all these other people in the industry that do respond because I am trying to look out for the greater good in yourself." That, that Absolutely. Should be my, yeah, I, I would like to and that. And also, but... Twitter. I
1: mean, who cares? I mean, Yahoo's not even a pay site. I mean, at least for the Rotowire, if a guy you know tags me and is like, "Hey, man, I, I'm a Rotowire subscriber. I love your work." Sometimes I do feel like, okay, you're a subscriber. I got to treat you a little bit more specially because you you pay for the site. You're paying my salary, right? But you're a Yahoo guy. You know, <laughs> it's all free. I, I mean, I suppose in some minute way they're paying for the ads. You know, whatever the way Yahoo makes money, but You know, those. that's not even, if a guy's not a subscriber, I'm almost never going to answer his question on Twitter. I'll answer his survivor question or I'll answer his handicapping questions or I'll answer his life question. Someone's like, oh, you're talking about seed oils on the podcast. Which ones should I avoid? Well, I'll answer that in a heartbeat. But if it's a stark, sick question, no, zero interest.
2: (laughs) That brought up this conversation because we, uh, we punted basketball. And did not turn out too well in baseball, and went all in in football. So that's that's not great. I think we we face uh, the Miz in the consolation round. So that whole year did not go our, our way in League of Leagues. What else? It did
1: oh, not go our that. way is another is like what, what's the translation? That you failed terribly? Yes, I
2: think. Total yes. disaster, just an utter and, and, and unmitigated. So we gonna, disaster. we're gonna we're
1: gonna we're uh, gonna suplex the Miz here in the in the consolation. Yeah. We're going to camel clutch <laughs> well, the Miz? What's the, what's well, the proper shit. terminology?
2: Honestly, honest, honest, I think mean, he is pretty good at shit-talking in the emails. That's one thing he has been engaged in. So maybe we'll throw a, a come up with a, a clever email. Which I think you just did. So maybe, maybe we'll yeah. email him. We'll email him that after our victory. Um, other than the, that one loss, and then like the fishbowl, I um, actually had a, a monstrous score. And then one other league I'm in, I, had, uh, I was down like two points on that Monday nighter, and I had Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett on uh, that final two-point conversion won me. So that that was pretty epic. You know, I didn't even think it, it really didn't deserve even that opportunity there. They had to run it in. But of course, just a disastrous game before that. So do you have any crazy you know things that happened to you in, in the fantasy playoffs this last week?
1: Not really. I'm in two semis, and then NFC. I had a good week. But uh, I had Kittle and Amari Cooper going. But I was the league. I lost Kareem Hunt and AJ Green, so I don't think it has legs. You know, I'm like 60th or something overall in the playoffs, I'd have to have two other monster weeks. And I just don't think the team has it in it to to do it. And then, you know, I'm in this Vegas league. I'm going to end up buying stakes this year. Not double, oh, but, but a lot, you know, and I'm not going to be there. So I'm going to have to probably send in like 200 bucks. That's going to be unpleasant. And then I'm in the semis in the FSTA league we drafted, which, you know, that's cool, I guess, but this is also not like a high priority, super important league. So, it's it's you know, I made the playoffs on a lot, I did fine. I, I just don't have any monster teams. You know, I don't have any teams that are like, Oh, I've got Zeke and you know, Devontae Adams and three other star guys later and uh, you know, Pat Mahomes. I had a Pat Mahomes team and I, I blew that one. It was close but didn't make it. So, you know, I just I don't have any great teams. You never know with the weeks fifteen and sixteen. I just have some good teams. I think the two remaining teams I have in the semis both lost Kareem Hunt.
2: Yeah, it's just funny when teams peak that uh one of the teams that just came back, the 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 one I won at the end there, you know, I have Kittle and Hilton too and Barkley. So suddenly that's peaking great and had Spencer Ware in that league and that went from great. I found a, a sudden, you know, top ten back and now he's already been possibly ruled what, doubtful for this week. So you, I think you mentioned something. Well, who are the three guys you said you could have been looking great? I think, what was it like Gordon and? You think you and you brought up this
1: Gordon topic. Hunt and Connor? You easily could have got Gordon and Hunt at the turn, and then picked up Connor later yeah, and I got him in the Connor. sixth round, and been like, "My team's awesome. This is such a good team." And then two weeks later, very
2: you're just, recent, yeah, you're recently you would have thought your team. Was
1: yeah. yeah, and Beckham is another one that you know looked pretty good. It you know fantasy football. The the longer I do it, the less the less I care and the better I get at it. Meaning like I stop worrying about winning. I just worry about standing in the lineup, making the free agent pickups, rinse, repeat every week. And by the end of the year, most of your teams are in the playoffs or you know, had some bad luck, but they're outperformed what they should. I mean, I was six and seven in the Stopa League, and I lost lost Bell. I had Bell and Fournette as my two main backs in a 14-team league. And I went six and seven. Now I got a little lucky to go six and seven. My points were kind of low, but... I mean, just rinse, repeat, start the, you know, I mean, I just set my lineup, made the pickups every week. I mean, I, I didn't skimp. I, I like put in the time to really go on the waiver wire and rank the guys as carefully as I could. And every week, and the less I care, the more I just get back. I don't get so dispirited on a bad loss. I don't even think about it. I just go back and do the thing every week, rinse, repeat. That's it. I just, fantasy is just so, you know, it's like the Gordon Hunt stuff. Any given year is so random. You really can't, you just got to grind it out. That's it. That's all you can do.
2: Yeah, the Stopa league, I started 7-1 and one and uh, finished 7-6. and six. So yeah. that was uh, not – I, right. I bet you got lazy, though.
1: I bet you got despondent and you didn't do your work.
2: Uh, it, that is partially, yeah. I mean, obviously, my team wasn't good. I mean, clearly, I, I had some injuries and stuff. But, yeah, no, you're right. I, I, uh, it is about that partially. And I do um, – you, you definitely care more on the teams that are doing well, for sure.
1: Well, that's um, what you got to do. Don't probably. care. Don't care about any of them. Just do the job. Yeah. Week in, week out. out. Yeah.
2: Because it's, I will definitely know, try to have that. It's,
1: I swear, the, the less, the, the older I've gotten, the more I've the, been against the spread. I get so worked up. I get so pissed. I'm like, those standalone games I'm watching, I'm like, punching my desk. I'm like, bad referee calls. I'm like, putting my middle finger, you know, and saying, fuck you to the ref. Literally out loud. Like, putting my finger on the screen on the ref's face as he's giving a bullshit call against the team that I bet on. Just because I bet on it. I didn't even bet money on it. I just, it's just part of our my overall record, part of the super contest, one of my best bets, whatever. I mean, I'm like literally that's what I get caught up in. It's not about work with the spread. Like, you, you know, it's the same amount of work to pick the winner as the loser. You know, its it's just like there's something just fundamentally just – It's like the endless mystery, the endless puzzle that keeps moving out of your grasp just when you think you have it. Whereas like, fantasy is simple. Do your best, make the waiver pickups, set your lineups. Not everybody is. If you do that, over time you're going to win.
2: Well, I'm definitely going to try to take that approach with baseball too, if it's anything like last year, which is it's total disaster. It's so much closer. We're going to talk more about baseball. I'm really curious and and interested in strategies this year. But um, I definitely want to take that same approach because just – it's going to be a disaster right down the road for the next guy. I, I can t- guarantee you that. So I'm going to try to try to go I'll, with that. We'll see how far I can take it.
1: I'll tell you what I'm going to do in baseball. I thought about this on my walk home today. By the way, I went to, uh, I broke like the top of this Le Creuset pot it was an expensive pot. I just dropped the pot last week and it cracked the, just the handle, not the, just the top, like the, the part on the top of the lid that you, you need to pick up. So it's not so hot. And, uh, Apparently there's a LeCruzé store in this mall like a mile away from me. So I walked up hills a lot and I got into the mall. A mall is a living fucking hell in any country. I just, <laughs> I truly hate walking around the mall and I couldn't find it. I was walking around endlessly like in circles for a while, finally found it and got the, uh, got the piece I was looking for for like 15 euros. But as I was walking home, I started thinking about it. And I had Rufus Peabody on the, uh, XM show yesterday yeah, and I, I knew this already because he talked to me about this one when he was in Lisbon last year. But basically, what he does is he has his model, which is the very sort of the objective model. It just takes into account yards per play, play success rate, context. So it sort of downgrades like the importance of blowout plays. Like if you're down thirty to nothing, whatever you do in that span is kind of eliminated. You know, it's only stuff where the game's mm-hmm. really contested. Uh, it, it accounts for opponent quality. So you're all the stats are, you know, adjusted for strength of opponent and it crunches all that stuff and it spits out sort of a team quality number. And what he does is he regret, he regresses his number and the market number the, the line, some partly his number, partly the line, um, because the market has information that his lines don't have, but basically Rufus will have his own sort of objective line. And then like, there's information that his numbers can't possibly contain like, oh, the, you know, the, the left tackles out, or, you know, the, you know, the coach got fired, they replaced the offensive coordinator, stuff like that, you know, that it's just impossible for him to quantify. And so he'll rely on the market, you know, the the actual market number to deal with, to convey that information that he missed. So he'll average it between his and that to come up with like his real number. And, you know, he's been successful doing that. And I was thinking for this year, I was going to do the same thing. So I take the ADP, the NFBC ADP as the market, just like the betting line. And then I would take steamer as a sort of the algorithm, right? Why build one when there's one already built. And then I would, you know, do something like, I probably do more like 30, 35% steamer, 65% ADP, because it's not just that the market, the NFBC accounts for things that steamer doesn't, but it there's also just the NFBC quirks. Like you got to be strong in all categories. So saves and steals will be more expensive than they would be. In this case, it's even more the market number's even more important than the steamer number, but you put a little steamer in there to account for just objective stuff that the market has a bias about. And then, I, and then I'm gonna say, okay, so it's gonna be like, you know, say 30% steamer, 70% NFBC ADP, and then I'm gonna take between five and 15 players on the plus side and five and 15 players on the negative side of my own tweaking just subjectively. So I'm not gonna have an opinion on everybody in the league. You know, I used to make my own cheat sheet from top to bottom. And it's like, the truth is, like, why am I making my own cheat sheet? I only have an opinion that differs from the market strongly on a handful. It's like handicapping the games. There's maybe two a week that you really feel. It, it, there's really no point in opining on every single game when the market probably does a better job than you about that. But there might be two where you're like, no, no, no I, don't, I don't like what the market's saying. I, I don't agree. So I'm going to have between five and 15 that I'm going to boost and five and 15 that I'm going to lower. And I'll highlight those guys and track at the end of the year, like whether I screwed myself or helped myself, but I'm going to go, you know, and these aren't, you know, I may change the, the, the proportion, but a weighted average between steamer and NFBC, and then some tweaks just based on personal preferences between five and 15
2: up and five and 15 down. love that idea. And it kind of goes with what I'm going to do is just really try to be more agnostic than ever with baseball this year. So that will be interesting to point out. I don't know. Is there a great way to follow that? Well, did you figure that out? To follow what uh, your guys specifically, you're just gonna basically just kind of eyeball it and see how they finish.
1: Well, I'll, I'll know which five to 15 I changed, you know. That like it's, right, it's pretty right. easy, it's not that easy, but it's easy enough to take the steamer projections and convert them into a rough dollar value based on the stats, right? Or and then rank them and then compare that to the NFBC ADP ranking and then just do an average, a weighted average, and then get an aggregate ranking between the two of them. And so I'll have my players ranked. <laughs> You know, one through 400 or however many get drafted. And then out of those 400, maybe seven, you know, I'll boost. I'll be like, all right, these are the seven guys I really like more than whatever this thing is spinning out. And here's the sure. four guys or five guys I said minimum that I just, I'm gonna down, I don't wanna own these guys. And I'll know exactly who they are. And I'll probably get a lot of the guys I like, maybe not all of them, because other people may like them. And I'll probably avoid like all the guys I don't like. And then at the end of the year, I'll, I'll be, it'll be quite easy to track like whether the guys I liked were guys worth owning, whether the guys I didn't like were guys worth avoiding.
2: Speaking of baseball, I'm not a Hall of Fame guy, but do you have any thoughts on Harold Baines joining it? Yeah,
1: we're just in a moment in time now you know, where it's, you know, it's the hall of the class act, you know, the hall of the harmless joke. Yeah. You know, let's make the harmless joke. Let's make the thing that doesn't offend anybody. You know, in a w- weird way, it's perversely offensive because it's it it's sort of an affront to greatness. What the Hall of Fame is supposed to be about, you know, Barry Bonds and Clemens are not in, but class act Harold Baines is in. You know, it's like, what the fuck is this? What does this even mean? It's the Hall of the Class Act, and it's Frank Gore and Eli Manning and Jason Witten. Oh, class act, Jerome Bettis. What a class act! But
2: I like that those, better. Yeah, not, not the Hall of the Very Good, the Hall of the Class Act. I like that the Hall of the kind of Class better, right? Act, like the
1: Hall good. of the Socially Acceptable. You look on Twitter. Okay, look at what people are tweeting. Look what people say. It's all, hey, I just want to congratulate my colleague. So happy for him. He succeeded at this. Congratulations on the new job. Thanks so much. So happy for him. So happy for this team that won the World Series. It's just the socially acceptable. We're now all in a public square. It's Twitter. It's Facebook, which I've deleted. Let's say the thing that can't possibly offend anybody and... And this is just an extension of that. It's like the vet, you know, this new veterans committee. That Harold Baines is probably a class act. I'm not even denying it. He's probably a really nice guy. He never <laughs> got accused of it. I mean, not that I know of, but he never seemed to. You know, I, I knew who he was growing up. But he wasn't a fame, big famous star. Uh, it's it's ironic Hall of Fame. I mean, he's barely known by most people who didn't follow baseball extremely closely. But yeah, that's all it is. It's just going to be up to guys like Jay Jaffe or whoever. You know, he does the Hall of Fame stuff or. You know, whoever, you can start one, a blog or whatever, and put the real guys in. But everybody knows from the metrics who the best players are. So this, this is now just, yeah. it's, polit- it's political, you know, it's political. It's like why people who are not that competent get promoted at, at jobs. It's, it's not because the guy's the most competent, it's because the guy who's his boss knows that he's not a threat to his job. So they promote sort of the nutless monkey guy who he's okay, you know, because he's not a threat. It's politics. We're just in a, you know, we're just in this era. I mean, it's always been, pol- you know, the world has always been political, but we're we're in a very special era where you don't want to be offensive.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the hall is farce and silly, obviously, but I guess it's not Harold Baines' fault that Barry Bonds isn't isn't in it, and maybe it's just not something to get too worked up over, I guess. But um, I don't. Know, it doesn't matter in itself. It, I mean. The, Ka- the Kaepernick thing's a little annoying, though. I mean, uh, Washington gets to what they deserve. I mean, watching their quarterbacks lose like that is funny to me. But um, I don't know, after signing Ruben Foster. But that, that that's annoying to me. But I guess all this stuff, But sh- I don't know. I guess you shouldn't get too worked up over, get your blood pressure worked up over something like the Hall of Fame. Well, it's not about
1: the Hall of Fame, because that's irrelevant. They already, by not allowing the greats, Clemens and Bonds, they've already made themselves a farce. But it's just it's just a symptom of you know what's acceptable and what's not mediocrity if it's class act is acceptable greatness if it's douchebag is not
2: all right so do you have anything before we get to the games we're going to talk about your your quarterback tiers and your this week's column or anything else jump out to you
1: sure I, i'm not wedded to the tiers but i just people can read it. the east coast offense you know i just basically made the case for how to approach the quarterback position if you're an nfl team and it's basically like go after one of the stars or real superstars If you don't get a superstar, get a superstar prospect. Like um, there's only two, Garoppolo and Mayfield. They're not superstars yet, but they have a good chance to get into that tier. And if you can't get those guys, try to rent, you know, a a Dak Prescott or a Matt Stafford. Maybe I mean I I put him in that tier because he's horrible this year, but just from his history, and get one of those guys cheap. Never wedge yourself to Stafford or you know the Cowboys may extend Prescott and you know or Kirk Cousins. Don't wedge yourself to those guys. Rent those guys cheaply. And actually, you know Prescott may end up in tier one or. Stafford may drop into tier four, like beyond the quarterbacks you should use. And and there's movement. I don't know. You know, I can't say which quarterbacks are permanently going to be there. But basically, there's three tiers, either absolute superstar, you know, rising superstar that could be one soon, like Mayfield and Garoppolo, or cheap temporary rental. And then everything else is just like desperation rental would be like Case Keenum, Ryan Tannehill. Total unknown would be like Nick Mullins, Cody Kessler. Like, you know, Tom Brady was one of those. It's not the worst thing. And the worst thing you can do is either wedge yourself to a mediocrity like an Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's fine as a rental, but as a as a quarterback you extend, it's terrible. Or, you know, be stuck for any length of time with an Eli Manning, Joe Flacco level QB this year where you're, you have a guy that you can't really win with. And then I put Category 9, which is uh, exhibits in Colin Kaepernick's lawsuit <laughs> against the NFL, which is like Sanchez and Nathan Peterman and, and Gabbert, who just <laughs> – that's not even a – those aren't even – I mean – that that's just you know for comedy purposes
2: that was funny well i did laugh so that worked and yeah. i also appreciate you as long as you properly ranked jimmy g is a you know prospective tier one
1: i probably I'm overrated okay. him i already pro- I, I overrated him but i you know just for <laughs> you, i didn't want to i know you had a tough football season i didn't want to push you over thank the edge you. completely
2: all right thank you speaking of tough football season let's get to these uh the picks this week thursday night uh kansas city at home giving three and a half to the Chargers. what do you got
1: I made this line three and a half. I mean, sorry, two and a half. I think the Chargers are the better team. I, I really do, and I don't like the short week. I don't like taking the team traveling on the short week, but it is what it is. And uh, I took the Chargers. What about you?
2: Well, on the short week, I could have even been talked into this one. So, but uh, I mean, I understand that the Chargers are really good, though. But and and the Chiefs, you know, they already beat them the first time they played. So maybe there's some bounce back there, and it's more than the, than the half. But I don't know. I can see the Kansas City's so tough at home. Um, I, I think they, I think they roll. Next up, Saturday. I love the Saturday games late in the year. Big, big fan of these. Uh, more, time, uh, more time to spend away from the fam. Um, it is a Houston giving six in New York against the Jets.
1: Yeah, I made this like four, four and a half, something like that. Houston, they're just okay. It's maybe weather's an issue. Got to go on the road. The Jets obviously didn't lay down against the Bills, so I took the Jets. What about you?
2: I did as well. You know, it's an ugly hold your nose type thing. We've been fading Houston. It feels like you have as well, but uh, seemingly every week finally did work last week. Um, I'll go I'll go again, but I didn't I didn't love this one either way. I don't especially don't love the Saturday night one. This is actually one of the bigger stayaways for me. Cleveland getting 3 in Denver. Who do you like this?
1: Yeah, I took the Browns. I I just think this is kind of 50-50 and either team could win. I think it'll be competitive, and so I took the points.
2: I probably should have done that. No Chris Harris, Emmanuel Sanders. Maybe those things really do matter, um, but it kind of felt like a buy low, sell high opportunity. So I went with Denver there, but I, again, I did not like that one at all. All right. to so the Sunday games, uh, Miami getting seven in Minnesota.
1: I made this line seven and a half and it opened at eight. So I was on the dolphins and I wrote that, you know, I was, when I was doing the East coast offense, which I read on Tuesday, I was like, okay, I guess I'm on the dolphins the next day. I wrote beating the book, and the line moved to seven. So I was on the Vikings because I had a seven and a half. So I'm on the Vikings. And the more I think about it, the more I like it. The Vikings defense played great in Seattle. Russell Wilson got completely shut down. And I think they can shut down the Dolphins. And the Vikings offense has been the problem, but I don't think the Dolphins defense is very good. So I laid the wood.
2: Yeah, it probably was more than seven when I sent this to you in my head, but I did take the points. Couple of things. I have no idea how Miami Miami keeps doing it each week, so I have no confidence in it. Maybe this is a get right week. But Kenyon Drake, man, he is so good, and I, it reminded me of all those crazy under the hood metrics that made me want to draft him so high in fantasy drafts. I really wish that guy would get more touches. But don't don't love this one either way. I, I could certainly see Minnesota lame. I mean, I I I wouldn't argue against you here. Well, I mean, um, Adam Gase. Up,
1: I mean, Adam Gase knows to save him for the final play. I mean, that was smart. He had a lot of right, energy on that yeah. play. And I'd say like it was such great open field running. I mean, it was an amazingly executed play, but the last guy to touch the ball gets it like almost at midfield. It was not like by any means a foregone conclusion when he got the ball that he was going to get there. He kind of stopped, hesitated, looked and then started again. I mean, that guy has vision. He's fast. He's just what a great open field runner he is.
2: Yeah. He can catch the ball too. Ugh, man. Frustrating, frustrating usage. Um, Oakland traveling early game clock, uh, getting three in Cincinnati. What an ugly game. Who, who do you like in this one?
1: Yeah, I took the Bengals. I, you know, they got to travel across. I, the Raiders won their Super Bowl last week. They beat the Steelers at home. That was a huge win. Gruden was super pumped. It's a, it's a great win for the Raiders. The Bengals, they showed up. You know, their defense showed up. Mixon showed up. They're they run blocking against a good team. I know the Chargers might have been looking ahead or something. That was a stupid pick by me last week, but – 14 3. I was like, oh, yeah, this is easy money. And then the Bengals pretty much dominated the game since then. I think the Bengals showed up. They found something. And Driscoll didn't make any mistakes. And I just think, like, I just think the Raiders are going to be, they're just going to be a shell of the team that beat Pittsburgh. They're going to come in on an early body clock, pumped from the last game. And just, I think the Bengals are going to cover this.
2: Very possible. I took the points. I don't see Cincy as a you know, great favorite against anyone. car has gone eight games without an interception. Last week, it was just ridiculous. Tom Brenneman was going nuts when the Raiders were not – they were being really methodical. I don't know if you saw this, but the in, inside two minutes, they are being like methodical. And the announcer was going crazy. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh was not taking the timeout. Yeah. Like, it was crazy yeah. all around. It was like – it was just my, my head exploded and what a world we live in. Like, the, the announcer was complaining for the exact opposite reason. Right. The Raiders so doing anyway. the right
1: thing. You want to be methodical. Yeah. You want to use up the entire clock. And then somehow Pittsburgh still got the chance, yeah. which was insane. Yeah. Like how yeah. can you let that play up? That's just the most terrible thing ever. And then they yeah. kicked the ball right off the guy's ass. That was like awesome. What an awesome
0: yeah
2: was,
1: <laughs> what a fail, what a farce of a game that whole thing and Ben is like out but then he comes in who knows how concussed he really was or what they say it was his ribs but you know they bring him back in this frankenstein and he just immediately moves the ball immediately as soon as he comes in so funny
2: right 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 oh man so yeah the niners are battling the Raiders for the worst, worst record, too. So that's actually, these games matter to me here. But um, I took the points there, but, but I could see it going the way you're, you're saying in this case. We've been, we've been different here, so let, let's see if that continues. Uh, next up is the, uh, what is it, the uh, Bucks getting eight in Baltimore.
1: This is really a coin flip. I made this line exactly eight, and I really agonized over it. I wanted to take the Ravens at home just to crush them, but I'm like, man, the Bucks defense has played better lately, and Winston sucks, but he, he's been throwing fewer picks. And uh, man, I could see, I could see just you know the Ra- the Ravens defense smothering them. But I took the Bucks. Bet you.
2: So I do a thing with my uh, my buddy. Uh, we do five games against the spread each week, and um, I I, I I I jinxed us here. In during the mornings when we were doing pretty well with our super contest picks, I, I texted my, my friend. I said, "Did you use me and your super contest picks because we were looking like we were going to finish the morning slate four and and right after that was when the Bucks totally collapsed against the Saints. So I apologize. I should have kept my mouth shut. Um, going 5-0 and o is the only way you win each week, and we have not done that this year. So, And in that particular contest, you know, it's a couple grand. So I was looking like I was going to get super fired up for the afternoon game, the one lone game remaining, which was your Chargers pick. So actually, I would have given you so much shit if the Bucks would have covered because that was all on you. But anyway, I'll go back to the well here and take the points with Tampa Bay. So I'm with you on this one.
0: Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card. Get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cashback, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC.
2: Um, Cowboys,
1: Cowboys plus three at Colts. I made the Colts my best bet. I just had a feeling about this. Cowboys locked up the division pretty much last week. I mean, it's not mathematical, but they're eight and five. Philly and Washington. Washington is toast, but they're both six and seven. Cowboys have swept Philly. The Philly would have to win out and go nine and seven, and the Cowboys would have to lose all their games to go eight and eight. That's the only way the Cowboys don't win the division. So, I mean, it is just a stranglehold on the division. And the Colts are fighting for the playoff loss. So the Cowboys, they had the huge win over Philly in overtime. It's so plus an overtime game that took them the full overtime. Zeke is banged up. I think the Colts traveling to Indy. I, I think the Cowboys are a really good team actually, and just on on pure value that the three they should be like two and a half here, but. I made it three, and the more I thought about it, I just think the spot is good for the Colts.
2: Yeah, Zeke 40 touches last week, and that was after a big workload the previous few. So um, I went with the Cowboys just mainly because I thought this line was right. But uh, you do bring up a good point about the spot, and if you that's your best bet, then we'll mark that one down to use it. I certainly didn't feel strong the other way. I thought that line is just about exactly what it should be. Um, I mean, I made it three, too. Not.
1: It was just one that I thought, you know, value-wise, I can't, I mean, if anything, the Cowboys are the better team on a neutral field, but it's just you're taking a team that just went through overtime hell to win the division, basically, and now they got to travel, and the other team's still right in the thick of it.
2: Yeah, Dallas has been really much better at home, and I believe in Indy. I think they're legit. This line I do think is wrong, and I made it my best bet, uh, which is funny, it continues to the Bills, but... Lions getting two and a half in Buffalo. I think the Bills defense is just gonna kill Stafford, whatever version of that offense is trying to run. I mean Galladay will be shut down by White. Um Allen will do enough. Robert Foster I like is a sleeper DFS play. So give me the uh, Bills my best bet. We've got to use it in super contests. Hope you agree.
1: I took the Bills. I I don't I'm a little like more agnostic about it than you are. I just think that um Bill's offense is very shaking. The Lions' defense has played better the last couple of weeks. Even against the Rams, they held them together, held it together for a while, and then totally shut down Arizona. Though that's you know Arizona's terrible. I, I still took the Bills because I couldn't bring myself to take the Lions getting less than three. I made the line three. But if you want to use it, we can use it for sure. We got to go. You know, we got to go like fourteen and one these last three weeks to win that other prize.
2: Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, that's right. I forgot we're starting to take it seriously now. I forgot about yeah, that. For once, know. yeah, we got to take it seriously. For once, yeah. All right, Packers getting five and a half uh, in Chicago. I got to say, we might have been right for the wrong reasons uh, last week with them. The problems might run deeper in Green Bay.
1: Totally. I mean, Rodgers got like 6.1 YPA. It was like nothing special. In Atlanta threw a pick six. I mean, it was totally had nothing to do with what we were saying. I'll take the win because I've gotten some hey, bad beat losses. Aaron so Jones gonna... didn't
2: have a touch in the first quarter. Aaron Jones didn't have a touch well, in the first fucking
1: quarter. Fucking Joe Philbin is just as much of a nutless. I mean, Joe Philbin, what a nutless monkey that guy is.
2: I told you. It was took 83 one. seconds. Yeah, it took 83 seconds for him to burn both I mean, challenges. That, guy, is that guy's
1: inept. But I took the Bears. I, I don't respect the Packers. I agree there's something deeper wrong with it. I don't think the Bears are going to overlook this because this is their like most hated rival. So they'll want to stick it to them. The Packers beat them earlier this season. The Bears totally shut down the Rams last week. I don't see why they shouldn't be able to do it with the Packers. There's always that Rodgers magic or whatever. But I think that the line's only 5.5 and, and not like 7.5 because... Just the historical memory everyone has when these teams face each other, that the Packers kill them.
2: This next one, uh, your Giants, uh, Titans. Yeah, they are getting two and a half in New York. I could frankly see that line being either way in the in the two and a half side, but it's uh, the Titans two and a half point dogs in New York. Uh, I just took the points. Whatever. Those are two teams. I, I mean, that's what do you make of that line? I mean, you can't possibly feel strongly one way or another, one way or the other here, can you?
1: I made it three, so I took the Giants, but. I have very big misgivings. If you look at the course of the year, the Titans beat the Patriots, they beat the Cowboys. The Titans have been the better team than the Giants, and so they're, you know, they're, they're being treated like that. They're, they're not you know, getting the full three, so it's kind of fair. I, I have misgivings. I think that the Titans can get after Eli. When, they, when Eli gets yeah. any pressure, he's just toast. But on the other hand, the Giants' offensive line is playing a lot better. Their defense is more cohesive, and Saquon Barkley, man, you just give that guy an inch – And he is such a monster. He's so good. He's such a difference maker that I kind of think you know the Giants are five and eight, and they shouldn't have blown that lead to Philly. Eli's pick at the end of the first half. They'd be six and seven. They'd be in the playoff hunt. They lost on a sixty-three yard field goal by Graham Gano on the last second. They could be seven and six. I mean, the Giants were one and seven, and they're you know they're still mathematically alive, but obviously they're not going to make it at five and eight. But this team, if they just held on in the Eagles game, they would be really in it. So it's not that much worse than the Titans. They're not that much worse. So I don't know. I'm not strong on it. I could see the, I could see the Titans getting after Eli and just the whole thing collapsing. So I took the giants, but I'm not using it in the super contest.
2: Yeah, watching Eli and shotgun on second and goal from the half yard line. Last week, take a sack. I just said, man, I, I'm not putting any money. I, it just was a brutal experience. But anyway, um, Beckham could destroy this secondary. Is really vulnerable. If he plays. And, yeah, of course. Yes. He probably would have to be on the field in order to that do would that. Be but, helpful. um, I'll say one other yeah. thing. Well, you see
1: Eli, that, that, okay. that play you described, he took like a 12-yard sack or something on that play. Yeah, yeah. The only no. players yeah. who should be allowed to take a 12-yard sack without being benched or dismissed from the league immediately are like Newton, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watts, somebody who could actually make a play, Trubisky, somebody who could actually scramble out of trouble and turn it into a positive. If you're Eli, you got to do what Brady does, dive forward. Just dive down and try to get back to the line of scrimmage and, and take a two-yard sack. It's just inexcusable that he's spinning and turning to try to get away. Know who you are. You are not – all you're doing is losing yardage. You are not going to escape.
2: Yeah, call me crazy and second a goal from the one, I'd just give it three more straight times to the best player in the field, which is um, exhibit A for DFS. I'm sorry, it's Saquon Barkley. If you did not get this guy in your season-long leagues – I mean, it's just so much fun. I mean, it's uh, crazy. Dude. I mean, that's that's for DFS, dude. I mean, that's right. I mean, Barkley watching this. Guy, I didn't. I had like one share of him in an NFFC league, and and that's or oh, actually in this keeper, league, the one league I'm actually a uh, league I'm in still. But man, so much fun. And and I've been riding with him in DFS lately. Uh, imagine just, if you were a Giants it's fan watching him. It's, imagine yes, if you were a Giants right? fan no. and you
1: got Beckham and him. Like it reminds me of Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> Even when the Giants weren't good, and they drafted Lawrence Taylor, it was like. Dude, I want to just watch to see what Lawrence Taylor was going to do to the other team. It was it was just made it a joy to be a fan of the team. And then, of course, they started winning the Super Bowls, and you're like, this is the greatest thing of all time. This is like the most amazing thing. Like a defensive-driven maniac just absolutely murdering the other team. was It was the funnest thing imaginable. And this, between Beckham and especially Saquon, because running backs get more touches, and they're more in control of the game, it's just such a joy. I'm brought back to the Lawrence Taylor days, where I'm like... Yeah, I don't care what the record is. I don't care who they're playing. Let's just watch Saquon do work. And th- to be like, oh, well, they could have taken Josh Rosen. You know, there's a quarterback. They could have traded down and gotten Josh Rosen and another pick. It's like, dude, do you even know what the fuck you sound like? Do you realize how dumb that sounds to somebody? I don't care. If you say, oh, well, you, oh, you're right because you're a scout. You know what watching, dude. Just watch some Barkley games. You just will stop making the argument. Just You got to just watch the master at work. It's just I can't even say. Like, Gurley's a nice running back. Zeke is a very good running back. Alvin Kamara is very skilled, but I mean, honestly, would you trade Saquon for any? Of the – I mean, I, would you trade Saquon for like Alvin Kamara and a third?
2: No, no. no I, I no. mean, the logistics. I mean, probably not. I mean, that's that's a lot. Alvin in a third, but whatever. I mean, I mean, he separates himself. Uh, but you know, between number two at his position, unlike other positions on the football right. field, I will say That's that. right. I mean That's big right. time. I mean he the only other player I can remember who separates himself from defensive backs is Harry like Sanders. But I was um I mean oh, I separates definitely.
1: separates when you're, <laughs> I'm saying like who's it used to be Justin Tucker, like yeah. you know what, the right, biggest gap between position, one and two. Nice,
2: nice, nice, Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I I, yeah, I the big, a different area there. No who actually separates himself speed wise Barry Sanders in his prime. Um and he's he, obviously wasn't nearly as uh, strong as Barkley between the tackles but it's just crazy watching him outrun the secondary it looks like it's a video game and he pushes a turbo button
1: it's it's I have to say man it just brings me happiness every Sunday
2: yeah I can only imagine I mean yeah I, I don't doubt it. it certainly brings me happiness every time he's on my fantasy lineup. who would be number two then I mean there's definitely a big gap but is it Elliot I mean as crazy as that sounds it might be Elliot's second best running back in in football right now
1: I mean I think Elliot Gurley Kamara is the next wave. You know, those three guys and they're all they're all good. They're very good and that you can make a case for any of them. And they all have a little bit different strengths. You know, Elliot's the workhorse. I think Gurley is sort of the smoother pass catcher, although Elliot's become a pretty good pass catcher and then Kamara isn't the between the tackles guy, although he's five. Kamara's like 5'10" 215. It's not like he's incapable of moving the pile, but he's just such a good receiver. He's like Brian Westbrook or somebody. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, I think you could argue those three guys one way or another, but I think those would be the next three. I can't even really think of anybody else. Am I missing somebody? I don't think Christian McCaffrey's He's a great fantasy back, and I was obviously wrong about that, but the guy doesn't look as good to me when I watch him play as those other three. He's just been in a good situation, and he happens to be incredibly durable.
2: Yeah, um, like I'd say like the up and comers, L- Philip Lindsay and Nick Chubb, those guys both look like they're, you know, maybe probably a, a, the next tier. If you were to say would be the next couple guys. I would say, I don't know. David Johnson, what is your opinion of David Johnson these days?
1: I mean, you know, Gurley had that awful year, so maybe Johnson can just get back in a decent system and show that he's as good as he was a couple of years ago. Chubb, is he really that good of a pass catcher? I know he can catch passes. Oh no, that,
2: yeah, no, he is not yeah, nowhere near okay. the level of these other so, guys, but I mean he's just starting. I mean he's just you know, just just and that's then, just developing up for
1: And then Lindsay, you know, he's like five, eight, 190. and he's super quick and I, I just wonder how long he's gonna play at the level he's playing, given his size. So it's it's one yeah. thing to get fifteen carries a week for eight weeks or nine or ten weeks. Uh, but you know, part of greatness is doing it for two, three years, and of course, Barkley's a rookie too. So who knows? But I mean, he he looks built for the part. Gurley and Elliott and Kamara's done it for two years now, but Gurley and Elliott certainly have handled the workload, and they're the same guy every year.
2: Yeah, well, maybe Gurley like wasn't that one year, but three sure, out of four. Sure. Maybe Fournette would be an. I mean, you can't really talk about him yet. Uh, he, again, yeah, he, that, he's that he may bad.
1: just be stuck in a you know David Johnson Gurley like hole right now, but. Also, we've never seen him be that good, so we don't know that he we don't know what the upside is.
2: But the fact that the the Barkley's such a good receiver too is just so sick. I mean just just crazy. But speaking of he's, Fournette, next game up. Yeah. <laughs> you wanna talk more Barkley?
1: I was just gonna say he was returning kicks for touchdowns in college. You know, I mean that he's just yeah. such a badass. Such a badass. <laughs>
2: Uh, Speaking of Fournette, they are seven-point favorites at home against Washington. And what's the over-under in this game, Uh, negative or something? It's just an ugly one. It is a 36, I believe, over-under. Who do you like in this barn I mean,
1: I didn't want to take the Redskins. I I had it like seven, seven-and-a-half, and and then before I looked at the line, I moved it down to six-and-a-half, and and I said, come on, let's be real. It's going to be a low over-under. The Redskins' defense isn't bad. The Giants killed them, but it was Partly because Barkley just went, went off, and once they were behind, Sanchez just got destroyed. And the Giants got a defensive touchdown, and it just was over. But I think the Redskins' defense is still pretty good. And the Jaguars' offense is, you know, if the Redskins might have the 32nd best offense, but the Jaguars are like 30th. And so I think it's going to be an ugly, low-scoring game. And seven just seemed like a little bit too much. I don't feel good about it, but I had to take the
2: points. Yeah, I laid the wood here. Maybe Josh Johnson is a big upgrade from Sanchez, but I made uh, Jags my number one defense, fantasy defense league. I'm using Fournette and DFS, and I I laid the points here. I just think it could get ugly, and like I said, I hope Washington gets what they deserve at QB. Um, Next up, Arizona, plus eight and a half in Atlanta. This
1: is exactly where I set the line. I really agonized over this because the Cardinals have been covering these numbers on the road. They beat the Packers. They covered against, I believe they covered against the Chiefs when there was a big number. I mean, they've, they've shown up in these sort of spots. I think they covered against the Vikings uh, when they were a big underdog. But the Falcons, to me, it's like they're like the team that's been getting their ass kicked a while, and then sometimes these teams yeah. go home where they're more comfortable, and they take it out on a shitty team that they can finally take it out on. And Cardinals' offense is terrible, and the Falcons, I think they should be able to score points, and then once the Cardinals get behind, it'll be a disaster. But I took the Falcons, but I feel not that strong about it.
2: I did as well. Um, who would lay this many points with a team like the Falcons? But Rosen has just looked so dreadful, and this just seems like one of those games where Atlanta pours it on um, unnecessarily. So I laid the points there. Next up, my Forty ers getting five. I think the spread's actually down to four, really. But I see you used five. I believe um, Seattle against Seattle at home.
1: It was six when I when I first looked at it Tuesday. I like the Niners. I I think they're showing up. I think Mullins is. Who knows? Maybe he's even good. And Shanahan's offense is good. They they didn't give up against the Seahawks even when they're getting blown out. The Seahawks coming off a big win, a couple of big wins. I just think this is just a a bad spot for them. And uh, Seahawks are pretty much locked into the playoffs. I think the Niners... They might even win this game. But.
2: Yeah, I'm taking the points as well, and I'm fearful the Niners do win this game. I, I hope they don't, but Seattle's uh, traveling. Uh, don't worry peak. about that.
1: Don't yeah. worry about that. Don't. I, I think that's over. Yeah, with that.
2: you're right. You're probably it's right. Like, it's people, like, got me high. people get me fired up for Nick Bosa, and it's like you know. I mean, the I don't know the Gi- the San Francisco Giants lost the number one pick because Pablo Sandoval hit a three-run home rock-off homer in the final day of the season and it's like there's this clear like casey mize number one huge and then like a big drop off who knows how it pans out but i don't know it's something to think of i you say just totally disregard that shit it's just whatever noise i mean who knows if there
1: was like an andrew luck level qb prospect or something i think it'd be one thing but defensive lineman like it's so kind of haphazard you know the way the draft goes and barring a generational qb
2: even if we don't need a QB, you're right though. Like the tr- uh, w- what about just the, the you know the, the the commodity of having the number one pick could be a lot more valuable if that Herbert comes out or whatever. Of um, where's he out of? Isn't there like, Oregon or something? I think as a if there is a number one quarterback prospect, that'd be a very valuable commodity having the number one pick in the draft. You get what I'm saying? I mean, so versus the me. I mean, I see the Niners really fired up. I and know. It's funny the whole Kittle thing. I mean, I mean, you don't give them the record and they're, oh, they're so competitive of winning a game, I mean, what do you think of that?
1: Terrible. I mean, dude, just give him the record. I mean, what the fuck? It's an easy thing. Just get him the record. I mean, that's that's a big deal. I don't know why they didn't. That was really uh, inexcusable not to throw a short pass. And you'd think if he was doing so well, would actually be conducive to winning the game to throw him the ball. Um, that was very weird. But I also think, like you know, coaches all want to win. And it's not like Shanahan has job security issues. It's not like John Gruden has job security issues. I don't even think Shermer has job security issues. And they're all happy to win these games. Yeah, it's true. And I think there's something to like building the cohesion of the team, and you know, building a, a culture of winning and getting guys to play together yeah. and showing them like what it's like to kick somebody's ass and feeling good about it. And I don't, I you know, the tanking thing is is great on the spreadsheet. Oh yeah, let's optimize for draft pick. Let's optimize for in you know, let's let's uh, optimize for injury minimization. Let's sit all our guys like the last two weeks and play our scrubs. You you know, all those things are great on the spreadsheet, but like in reality, you optimize for one thing and you screw up other things right like maybe the team you know why does Belichick play Brady in the fourth quarter of blowouts is he just an idiot Belichick's an idiot why is he playing him you know it's like you think so or you think maybe there's other factors in terms of the cohesion and players you know just getting being used to having the guy under center and I don't know you know maybe something about like not having like your your star guy be in a glass case where everyone else is getting taking all the risk I, I don't know what the exact reasoning is but I often feel like, you know, these coaches, they want to win. I I, I could see it if there was, a, again, like a generational QB prospect at one or, you know, you could trade down for so much. But, like, I don't know about, like, playing out your season and not. And, and also the players have to try, right? They have to win because they're playing for their jobs. The coaches, even if they have tenure coaching to try to win, you can't, like, half-ass it out there. It's really the... I guess the GM, like in you know, in Oakland's case, can trade away guys, but you know that's all you can really do is trade some guys for picks. I don't think you can do anything, and it's. I think it's. I wouldn't worry about your team winning, man. You, they'll get a good pick. They're going to okay. be picking very high.
2: No, that's a, that's a fair way to look at it. Um, and obviously, I don't think that they are not going to try. I'm definitely picking against the spread here, so that's all fair, man. What about Kittle? Most receiving yards by any position. At halftime since 1991, with Nick Mullins throwing to him, what a beast! Just what a, what a monster! How early is he going to go in fantasy drafts next year? Kittle. He'll
1: third go third like round, that. Second round. Not like third or fourth, I think.
2: Oh, definitely third. Yeah, I don't. I don't see him going past it. But. all right, uh, next no, one. No, I mean Kelsey.
1: I, uh, Kelsey was going the third this year. He's not going to go ahead of Kelsey.
2: I think those guys will both be pretty great. Yeah, maybe third. Okay, I, I would be shocked at fourth though. Yeah, I mean, might, I'm going to you know say fourth. He's on fourth. pace to break the record. Dark. He's, I'm pretty yeah. sure he's on pace to break the record for most yards in NFL history by tight end. But then again, so is Kelsey. But They, they both might break it. But <laughs> If he finishes with 1,350 yards with Jimmy Garoppolo coming back, I don't think he'll be getting George Kittle in the fourth round. But, that's, but what do I know? Um, the, uh, the next <laughs> What do you up, know? The You're the same uh,
1: guy who took Alfred Morris on the sixth, and then I ended okay. up yeah, getting they're, they're Alfred
2: they're Morris <laughs> because of that. What, what do I know? Well, it's true. What do I know, as you just pointed out? See, um, I think we should use the Steelers. Uh, here's to show how little I do know. Uh, going against the Patriots, who have been flat out bad on the road this season, and yet they're still favored against a bad Pittsburgh team, maybe with the banged up Big Ben, who knows. But I like to use this one as super contest. I don't know about yourself. But New England giving one and a half in pit. I like how there's just two afternoon games, my horrible Niners game and then this one. So it's essentially a standalone game.
1: I'd use the Niners and the Steelers. I, I think the Steelers, cool. um, All right. I, I honestly, the Steelers were the, the mo- biggest value for me. I had them as uh, minus three, not... Plus one and a half. Uh, I was surprised that the Patriots are laying this much on the road in Pittsburgh. Steelers, you know, if they don't win this game, they're seven six and one, and next week they go to New Orleans, so they're probably looking at seven seven and one if they don't win this game, and they may miss the playoff because the Ravens go two and one, they go to nine and seven, and they win the division, and then the Steelers are you know in the mix with like the Colts and the Titans and all those teams grubbing for that last wild card spot. So this is kind of a must win game. Not that that means they're going to win, but. I mean, this is, this is no joke for the Steelers. This is do or die. So I, I like them at home. I think the Patriots Patriots are so smart. They do everything right. I've never, you know, that was the crazy thing about the, that Hail Mary. That shit never happens to the Patriots. Like, that's the kind of shit that happens to like, the Chargers or the Lions. You know? It doesn't happen to the Patriots. But I, I'm with and you, man. And
2: watching Gronk on skates, man, uh, that was what a scene. The Patriots have a losing record on the road this year, I believe. Um, so, yeah, I don't see why they're favored here. So, I even like the setup, too, even regardless of that, even if they're rolling. Up. I'm
1: a little nervous, so, like, Patriots coming off a loss, though. And, you know, it's, you don't make your oh, money that's... fading the Patriots, like, back-to-back weeks. But we did it last week. Let's go back to the well.
2: Okay. Uh, what do we got here? Sunday night game, really lame if Wentz is out here. I know we used, in the, in the, the beating the the book, you used nine and a half points. But I believe the spread has jumped to um, around 11-ish. Uh, Philadelphia getting 11 in L.A., Sunday night football, probably looking like Nick Foles' time. What do you think about this one, Liz?
1: I made it 33-23 Rams at 9.5, so I took the Rams. At 11, just Foles probably a little bit of a downgrade. Wentz may have been playing hurt, though. I still kind of like the Rams. I think they're going to go to town on that secondary, and then yeah, the Eagles are going to have problems. You know, the Rams pass rush, will get after Foles, and he's not as mobile as Wentz, so I like the Rams, I guess.
2: Yeah, weirdly, I almost like the better at 9.5 with Wentz. I like the Rams better, strangely, but um, I guess I still would stick with the Rams because they're just going to bounce. I mean, and it's funny listening to Jared Goff talk about how it's much more difficult to throw a football when it's cold as, for, as opposed to indoors. Um, like that was a shocking revelation, but I think he bounces. He's had two horrible games in a row, but I think Gurley and all those guys just go crazy and even defensively too. So I'd be willing to use that one. if you. Where, where did Goff go to college? He went to Cal. I read something about how
1: he's like a warm weather guy and like he's, he's just even, even in college if he had to play in cold he wasn't very good so it's a handicap he's I mean, lucky they play in a you know in a warm weather uh, place and if they go to New Orleans it'll be I mean the whole playoffs is going to be warm weather for him he doesn't have to play yeah, a cold he, he weather was, playoff game
2: he was born in Marin County so that's basically San Francisco so yeah, yeah. Yep. yep so um that, I think he's going to bounce back, though so I could see them um Blowing them out though on this one. What do you, what do you, what do you, I mean, do you want to use that one? You want to consider it? Check I it would out. use it. I, it's a
1: little like, you know, chalk obvious sucker, but there's no such thing as sucker these days. I would maybe use it. We'll go, let's go over our five when we're done with this and we'll see if, if it comes up. All
2: right. Okay. Monday night, last one. Saints giving six and a half in Carolina,
1: Who laying like six this? and a half in Carolina. Um, right. And I, I like Carolina a decent amount. I think Saints are a little out of sync. Carolina's falling apart, but they got all these young playmakers. I'm a little worried about Cam. He doesn't doesn't look like himself. He's not playing as well. Defense isn't very good, but I think part of that's like the offense being so erratic. But I just think laying this much on the road on Monday night against a team that knows you, division game and a standalone national game, they're going to be crazy up for the Saints. I think six, I think it's going to be a close game.
2: Curtis Samuel indeed. DJ Moore set up. And I definitely like the points. This is actually one that I also could be talked into using. I mean, we looked, it looked good when, when the Saints were, you know, down in Tampa last week. I, Carolina's played much better at home. I do, same concerns with you. It comes down to if Cam Newton's totally shot that shoulder. He might just be toast this year. But if not, that team, desperate animal at home, I think they could win outright. I would never want to use New Orleans and Survivor in this spot either. So I like the points there for sure. So okay, what, do you, what do you think for the five? What do you, yeah. So I, I, I mark for sure I, I'm, I'm going to bat for the Bills and in uh, Pittsburgh. And then um, maybe 49ers, and you liked the Colts, maybe Rams. So what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the Colts are kind of a random best bet. I just, it's just a, a feel, but I'll stick with it. I'll go Colts. I'll, here are the teams I like, okay? I like the Vikings, the Bengals, the Colts, Niners, Steelers, Rams, and Panthers. So we can do Colts, Bills, Steelers, Niners, and you choose between the Rams and Panthers.
2: I actually like both. Okay. okay so um, give gonna, up, what do we want to give up?
1: The Niners? I kind of like the Niners in that spot, though. I mean, I could give up the Colts. I could give up the Colts. I'm not that wedded to them. It was kind of just a quirky just, best bet. Yeah.
2: They'll probably just win by three, won't they? it will be a push. I don't um, know, man. If it's your best bet. No, it's your best bet. We can keep it. It's fine. All right, whatever. You want to be a netless monkey? or I mean, uh, Well, I wasn't fighting I, I for like them.
1: The you you, you okay. started saying, okay, well, I guess we'll use the Colts because it's your best bet. But oh, okay. Then I, yeah, I wasn't I fighting for them. I was like, yeah. I like all these about equal. I just pick the Colts because I always do better on my best bets when I pick a quirky uh, setup best bet. If I pick a value best bet like the Steelers, it, it always has worse results. It's always like when I'm like, yeah, I just have a Colts feeling in this one
2: okay well it's up to you then because i think that'll i mean three that line just seems right to me and i i do like bills niners Pitt, rams and, and panthers i mean i do like that five we don't have to make the decision let's now. go it's with that
1: let's go with that let's get let's get rid of the cults all right i'm fine with that i'm fine with that
2: okay. okay all right so for now we're looking at bill i may change if i if
1: i get like you know overnight i i realize i must we must use the cults i'll let you know but i don't think i will
2: okay all right man sounds good um what else? Uh, I went all in on the stock market after last week. You berated me and said I'm a fool. No, 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 no. no. I hope not. I, 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 I hope I, you're joking. I am joking. Yes, I, I did not go all in on the stock market right after you told me that. But um, uh, I, um, what, what should I have done then? So, so, so well, continue. It sounded like I, I got your attention there.
1: Well, no, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is over the last 10 years, you would have been way better to be in the stock market. It's easy to say what you should have done in the past, right? But going forward is always different. And we're in an environment where there's so much debt out there, the economy, you know, they were interest rates are super low, and now they're creeping up but because you know, they're worried that there's going to be inflation because they printed so much money. And nobody knows. You can talk to some billionaire professional guy who's crushed the markets, and they don't know in the short term where it's going. They'll have some ideas where it's going in the long term. If you listen to a guy like Nassim Taleb, he'll say, nobody knows where it's going, but how do you, you know, make sure that if something crazy happens that you're on, you know, that you're A, not totally broke, and B, maybe you get crazy rich from an unlikely but possible thing that happens. You know, that that's, he'd say, don't, don't worry about, you know, it's kind of like Survivor when you're like, all right, everybody's on this 17-point favorite. I'll just take this other team because even though the 17-point favorite will probably win, if they don't, I could really be, making a lot of money off of this. It's just sort of positioning yourself. So nobody really knows. And it really depends on like what the environment is, right? Like in certain environments, when stocks are cheap, I mean, a simple thing is like, what are stocks priced at relative to earnings? Well, they're well above, I mean, it's gone down a bit, the uh, historic averages for what they're priced at. So they're expensive relative to that. And then some people think, well, it depends what the interest rate is also. But bottom line, I'm a little bit in over my head with this. I kind of understand some of it. I don't understand all of it, but you can't just sit in cash indefinitely because your money inflates away. So you should be sort of doing your own research and you should be figuring out what, what stocks, if any, what bonds, if any, what real estate, if any, and how much cash you want to have in a given macro environment, which you don't really totally understand. Just like before each baseball and football season, we don't know if home runs are going to be out of control like they were in 2017 or whether scoring is going to take a massive jump in YPA like 2018 football. We don't really know. We just kind of see what happened in the past and use historic precedents to guess. So I can't tell you what to do, but whatever you do, don't just shut your eyes and put your money in the bank or just trust some random advisor to do it and, and don't look at it. I mean, I think people need to be literate about money. And, uh, you know, personally, I I like Bitcoin. But that is by this is so far from a guarantee, and even if it does blow up, it could be in like five or eight or ten years, so you have to stick through a lot of and it may go down more before it goes up. nobody knows, nobody knows um, i just I just believe in it, and I think that it's you know I think that the upside is so crazy, you know, and the downside is only you know whatever the cost is now, so um, but I can't tell anyone specifically what to invest in because I just don't know, but you want to keep yourself in a point where you have the liquidity you need to live and you're also you know figuring out what to do with this money because again the nature of u.s currency or the euro or whatever is that it inflates every year and it is uh literally evaporating day by day if you don't use it or you don't invest it
2: all that makes sense and yes it was a joke about the stock market since it was i was like, like oh so my volatile. god i hope since you didn't we last, <laughs> since we last talked about it so volatile it was a humor but um i hear you though and all, the, all that does make sense um as for the random stuff i'll throw at you a few things running the long another long podcast here list um chinese cfo who was arrested the uk prime minister vote i think michael cohen just got three years in prison right before we started recording um i think you tweeted about aoc and amazon a- any of those things you want to touch on or anything else that I, that I missed list before we sign off
1: so i used to be way more left-wing than i am i'm i'm not I. I don't, wouldn't put myself anywhere. I have libertarian, left wing. I'm you know a mix of different things. I wouldn't identify. So I don't agree with all of AOC's politics. But I do love that we have somebody who's very popular and very charismatic and very uh, you know outgoing in Congress. Who at least for now, we'll see if she gets co-opted. They all get co-opted. I thought Obama was like the savior at one point, and he got co-opted. And Bernie, who knows what would happen to him. But she seems for now to be the type of person that will be a thorn in the side of some of these monopolies that all the nutless monkeys are kowtowing to for the money. And you know it's a real problem. I mean, Google and Amazon, they stifle innovation. They're they're monopolies. We would have broken them up 100 years ago. And they did it again with the phone companies. And it led to crazy amounts of innovation. And they need to break up these horrible big tech, tech companies that are surveilling us. And she seems like the type of person that she may not get she may not be into it for that reason, but just, you know, displacing locals and basically taking money from the state to subsidize these mega corporations is something she's against. And I'm glad that she's there doing that. So I'll say that. I hope she gives them hell. I hope it, hope it's not just talk. I hope she's a real thorn in their side.
2: Sounds good to me. I hope, I hope, hope it's true as well. Um, anything else in other stuff I threw at you? Any, any other thoughts on the political? I
1: haven't activity? looked into it. The, the fact that Michael Cohen got three years makes me kind of feel like he didn't give up as much as people had hoped, right? Like, if he really gave up the goods, you'd think he would have been totally off the hook, right? I mean, if they had Trump from what Cohen told them, why is he doing three years? Yeah, for sure. Um, Maybe he knows that Trump will pardon him, so he just, like, gave them some shit that they can't really use that well. I don't know. What was the other thing? Oh, they arrested that... uh, I don't know what the deal is with these trade wars. I do know that there was an accusation. I've read a little bit about this, because I've got a, a... Huei? I don't know how you say it. The Chinese maker of Yeah, these, I didn't know either. Huai yeah. or whatever. I have one of the, the router that I have just, you know, from the local Portuguese, you know, Vodafone. That's what they use. And I'm like, oh, they're probably tracking me. They probably have a chip in this thing. But then I heard, like, another account that, like, Apple denied it, and of course they would, and Amazon denied it. It might be, like, a, a BS story planted by the CS, CIA or NSA to, like, get more support and more funding for their division. Like, if the Chinese are doing these spy programs, it you know, you know how like there's like this, you know, every division of the government competes for resources. And if the Chinese are planting these chips, then, OK, now we have to do all these countermeasures and it gets them funding and whatever. So I'm not sure what the truth of that is. Like, I don't know. I just know that I don't really love that this thing that came from the, the local uh, Internet provider is, is made by them. So I, I don't know how much of that spying is true, but I don't know how much you right. got arrested for spying or as part of the trade stuff. I'm not really sure.
2: And there's also the Russian spy who just reached a plea deal, too. Do you see that? You know, the woman, the NRA, that, 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 that story? Great Do you yeah. see that?
1: I saw, like, I don't know the details of that. I remember thinking after seeing something on it that it seemed like a total farce. But I don't know enough to really I'm, – I'm very dubious now, about most of the stuff.
2: All right. <laughs> and I appreciate that about you. I mean, you have me pretty skeptical of anything I read as well. At um, the news for sure. As for TV, um, I, I just finished Big Mouth, which is a really good Netflix show. It's cartoons, arguably one of the funniest shows on TV right now. And before my year-end list, and I watch way too much TV, there are two main shows that I still need to binge. And I believe you watch them both. They're, they're the two ones on the top of my list are Maniac and Homecoming. So I'm looking forward to those two before the first of the year here. Um, what about you, Liz? Yeah. anything on, the, uh, I on, watch the, both on that those. side of things?
1: Uh, I think Homecoming's better. They're both okay. They're both good. I mean, I'd say I'd give them like a B plus, maybe an A minus for homecoming, but it's not going to be in your like pantheon when you're done with them. I'm pretty sure about that. Yeah.
2: Okay. Okay. All right, man. That's all I got for you this week. Uh, anything else you doing any traveling or anything?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm going to London next after, well, we'll do the podcast Wednesday. I'm going to London Thursday or Friday and then Wales and then back for, uh, I'll be back in, uh, Lisbon uh, for New Year's, and then I'll be hanging out with your boss. I'll be <laughs> literally, I'll be that's hanging right. out with your boss,
2: yeah, Jason. Yeah, yeah. That, that's so, nice. I mean, I think he's, yeah. he's
1: coming out. I, I got to email him back, but uh, so yeah, that's it, man. What about you? You, you traveling anywhere for the holidays?
2: Oh uh, no, I think I'm probably mostly staying staying around here, but um, trying to please, you know. Different families on different sides and all that stuff, but um, like I said, I'm glad when it's over. But uh, let's do it, man. This actually does when it when it counts. Final three weeks, so uh, let's actually take this seriously. I, I like our five. Let's, let's do this list.
1: Let's do this, man. Let's. I, I think I don't think we can go four and one because it's it's only three weeks. So I think we pretty much need a uh, fourteen and one might do it. Actually, I think 14 and one would do it. But fifteen and I mean, yeah. we can't guarantee we're gonna go five and zero oh the next two weeks. So we need to get the five and zero oh now and get that loss. Have room for error in the last week.
2: For Sure. Oh. All right, man. It's tough. All right, take All it later. easy, man. Later, list.